we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta <laughs> Filmmakers Podcast. Me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. Here we go. Hello. We're back. Hooray. Podcast mode engage. Thank you for listening, everybody. We really appreciate that. mode disengage. We meet. For a short amount of time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. We met um, a gentleman named Bosch last week. Yeah. Uh, or this week. What the fucking day is it? I know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he was a listener. Yeah. And, uh, and it always shocks me. When it you, is. When it's weird. It's like, yeah, yeah. I listen to your podcast. <laughs> Because I honestly don't believe that anyone listens to this, but it's yeah. so it's so I'm so pleased that people. It listen. is nice when you run yeah. into someone in the wild who's like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, so this is the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. My name is Scott Westby. I'm Matt Waterworth. We are Full Swing Productions, and every week we bring you news, tips, and interviews from the film, video, and digital media landscapes of Alberta. Oh boy, Matt, energy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit early today, <laughs> um, but we've got our coffee. And there's been some great news. Uh, we missed last week, so there's been some great news over the past two weeks. Um, the first being that Winona Earp has been renewed for a second season. That is great news, yes. This is the best news because mm-hmm. it's it's a super fun show. Um, it's the Buffy, now that Buffy's done. And it, you've been saying it's sci-fi's top-rated show. Is yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on Rotten. And uh, so, I was, yeah, it's like, well, it's a no-brainer. Why would they not renew it? And, of course, they were waiting for Comic-Con to make that Right, which is really cool. Um, and of course, Tom Cox from 724 said, I don't count any chickens before they hatch, which to me says he knew it was coming. He, he was, yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I, you know, he's had a few series canceled. Yeah, well, so. yeah, of course. Um, so that's great. Uh, congrats to everybody who's working on that show. And we're looking forward to seeing uh, the second season. And if you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah. Watch that show, though. Absolutely. Uh, so it's on sci-fi. I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like more so than than anything uh, else maybe that that's being produced in Alberta because it's got an Alberta crew, but also a lot of Alberta cast. Right. And that's that's rare. I mean, Young Drug Punk, you could say the same thing, I think, but uh, that one's not coming back. So, um, yeah, unlike Hell on Wheels or Fargo, which you know is a mix of American uh, and Canadian crews um, and not as many opportunities for uh calgary actors or albert actors um winona is uh different in that way which is great so that's pretty cool now tin stars going and we've got we've got fargo coming back and we've got winona coming back and you can breathe a little bit easier yes some actual productions are happening again in calgary anyway Mm -hmm. i know edmonton has been a bit slow yeah i mean i guess we i don't know if we have it here but we you know there was a little bit of news for tiny plastic men which was that Super Channel released it and a couple other shows to go hunting Shop other around, broadcasters yeah. if they'd like. So Yeah. Um, and if you're a listener um, and you haven't liked the Tiny Plastic Men Facebook page, um, just go do that, like right now. Yeah, that would be nice. Because they, they could use the support. Um, For sure. Not that they need it, but the more kind of push they have behind them as they go shopping this series around. And it totally deserves a 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th season. For sure. And it's uh, it does have Hulu still. Right. Uh, yes. So internet is maybe the way to, to support it the best. Internet. <laughs> so uh, this is something cool that, that uh, Briar brought to our attention. Uh, Al- uh, there's a, a couple groups here called Arts Habitat Edmonton, Calgary Arts Development, Arts Build Ontario, and the Alberta Real Estate Foundation. And they've come together to create something called Space Finder Alberta. Um, and I wish we'd known about this like two weeks ago, but <laughs> Space Finder Alberta encourages those that are looking for or have space for not-for-profits, small business, and creatives, that's me, to share their requests in this online marketplace. Uh, so it has it includes all types of spaces from rehearsal halls, 
to meeting rooms and offices for hourly, daily, weekly, and long-term rentals. So this is really cool. It's a great way to, if you need a space to host auditions um, like we've been doing or um, just have a, a, a meeting, um, you can kind of find a space here on yeah, this website. I, I was looking at it the other day and it's uh, it's incredibly powerful and, it, yeah. and it's a great way of connecting. Yeah, unfortunately, um, real estate folks who may be having trouble in this market um, connect to people who could use the space maybe at a lower yeah. rate. Yeah, yeah definitely. So it's uh, alberta.spacefinder.org. Uh, or you can find the link in our show notes. Story Hive time again, Scott. Yay! And uh, the uh, the the pilots for the web series are done. Right. And uh, now it's time to vote. So uh, head on over to storyhive.com and then go to go to web series and then go to sort by Alberta. I, I said this in the the Facebook post. Right. Not, not that we don't love the BC. Go ahead and watch that stuff too. This but... isn't the BC Filmmakers Podcast, <laughs> right. Matt. But take a look at the Alberta projects and throw your votes uh, their way because casting is actually, or sorry, uh, the voting window is small. It's tiny. Yeah, it ends on Friday of this week. Yeah. It's only like four days yeah. of voting. Um, and I know that StoryHive has been getting pushed back on longer voting periods. Hmm. So now we're here, I guess maybe here's a shorter one. I'm not sure yeah. what the what the strategy was there. But uh, so the top two award winners will receive $50,000 to take their pilots to a full series. Mm-hmm. And if you get $50,000, I'm not sure how Story how Story Hive works if it counts as a broadcaster. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I think it does. But yeah, you can Why probably dovetail that 50000 That That triggers the Alberta Media Fund to turn that budget into and you a should larger free, budget. Some free money. Yeah. Uh, some additional free money. Um and I just want to highlight. I don't. I don't. I don't have any favorites. No favorites, Matt. But we've got a couple people who've been on the podcast before, including Tito, up in Fort Mac. Right. Nerdvana is the project, and I, the reason I want to highlight it is just because their social media game is very impressive. They have new content every single day, right. and multiple pieces of new content. Like, and they're doing a series like, "What's your Nerdvana?" So they've got a video with everyone in the cast talking about their. Uh, individual Nerdvana, whatever that would be, in photos and I've actually been impressed with um, Codependent Ghost Girl too. With yeah, Lindsay. for sure. Also, also been on the podcast. Absolutely. Because um, yeah, they they've had some really good uh, good social media presence too. Maybe not as much content, but um, but yeah, just like just engaged, smart and, and, content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a cast member who had like a viral video with a cat. He's like lifting a cat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah. There's some there's awesome stuff out there. Um, yeah, and really, and you know, and maybe we're only seeing that because we know those folks, and and uh, you know that's how Facebook works. Right. You see what you know, but um, you know, check out the the social media components of all of these projects, and and uh, your vote matters. There's not that many people voting, so it really does. It's pretty powerful. Okay, in plain view corner. Yay! Yay. <laughs> um, making a movie. We're making a movie. This movie's called In Plain View. And the last time we spoke in the last episode, I was having a down day. I don't know mm-hmm. if you recall this. I do, I do. I think I, I, I used the metaphor of being at the foot of the mountain and finally understanding um, everything that was ahead. Yeah. Um, and it literally turned around for me not two hours after we recorded that <laughs> that episode. Um, I got a call from Telefilm, which which was something that I, I was waiting for and, and, and a little bit anxious about. Um, it was a great conversation and it answered a lot of questions for me and kind of put my mind at ease. Um, a lot, and so that was like, oh, okay, thank God, everything's cool. Um, yes, 
Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, that was a big thing yeah. because, you know, we don't know how to move forward without, without that. Right. There's, there's some big question marks that I had yeah. that, uh, that they were able to answer for me that uh, removed some uncertainty. And it was actually, as I was driving home from the podcast, I was like, wait, the, wait a minute, we're making a fucking movie. This is awesome. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So the sun came out. Yes. Um, and then we got into casting and, and Matt, you, you talk for a while now. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, overall it's been an exciting, uh, unfortunately two weeks, I think since we've done this, but, uh, yeah, I mean, not just casting, but but just people who've gotten involved, um, you know, triggers that have been pulled, um, conversations that have been had. It's all it's all been really exciting and really um, started to make this feel really, really real. And I and I, <laughs> we we started to get tapes, taped auditions, even before we did auditions. Right. Um, and it, the first taped audition that came in blew my mind. Not necessarily because it was anything particularly special, but because the words from the page were being said by someone we didn't know, and you know, we just put it out there, and now people are responding, and it's like, whoa, this is this is a real movie. That was uh, <laughs> that was that rocked my world a little bit. Uh, and since then, we've had you know three days of casting, two in Calgary, two in, uh, one in Edmonton, and uh, it's been wonderful. You know, it's it's a fantastic experience, and it's a little awkward and weird to sit in judgment of someone. But of course, you know, no one can pull out of my head what I'm hoping them to be. Of course, so all they can do is give us their interpretation of it, and and, and with no context either. Of like course, a lot yeah, of these it's, scenes it's so hard, it's so hard. And, and honestly, I'm I'm shocked at how well yeah everyone did, considering they have no yeah, context. For sure. Um, and what I really learned was how many different ways there are to interpret yes, all these yes. scenes. That like, was an interesting experience. Yeah. I've never really, you know, we're running the same scenes over and over and over again. And and yeah, does it ever, like you think, okay, well, there's only so many, you know, maybe two or three different takes on this because, you know, this is the motivation and this is what's meant by this line. and. That is not at all true. Like we we had we had you know some gender crossing as well, which changed the the picture. Obviously, right? Yeah, 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 that was great. But yeah, even just people, the emphasis people put on certain words changed the way I, I saw the scene. Um, there, there was there were some moments that depending on how they emphasize <clears throat> certain words, it changed the way I saw the character. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like there's one moment where um, the character Winter, um, the female lead, she she smells um, this guy's cologne. And um, depending on how the person smelled, <laughs> changed the character yes, for me. Yes, because you're supposed it sure. was supposed to be kind of like a disgusted like sniff, but someone did it like really long and like savoring, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh my god, she's insane! Not the actress, <laughs> right, yeah, but this character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was yeah, cool for me. Very like, interesting. What, what interested me most about it was I, I was I was kind of waiting to find you know how you hear the stories about it's like oh and then this character walked in the door and mm-hmm. they were them and then they did they nailed the audition and then they left. Um, and I wouldn't say that that happened, but what did happen was different versions of those characters mm. walked in the door mm-hmm. and nailed the audition for what that character could be. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's really the decision for me is, is not who did it best, but which version of this character do we want for this version right. of this movie? For sure. And I mean, that's, that's why casting is so important because me as a first time feature director, it, I mean, it's going to be about saving me a ton of work if I if we can get someone who's already really close to that right right so as opposed to like putting me in the room with someone who's who's not close to to what I you know envisioned uh it's gonna mean I'm gonna have to spend a lot of rehearsal time a lot more time so um taking that pressure off of me by just having someone who has nailed it before and, and right away 
Um, obviously that's, that's the goal is to get all yeah. of that and you're never going to get all of that, but, um, it certainly is helpful for me. But it's also a question about, and I think this is a credit to how great Kevin's script is, is that there's so many interpretations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure, and so it's sure. about just kind of picking one and mm -hmm. and marrying it. Mm -hmm. Cause like the character of Penner we had, we had, you know, smaller guys, um, who were like, like pretty tiny, like short and, and, and small in stature and a little bit weaselly kind of coming in. Yeah. Um, and then we had like the Jesse Lipscombs who were like massive gods with like, <laughs> you know, like the, the most physically fit, you know, imposing people that you can imagine. And, yeah. and, and both of these, these extremes were excellent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely perfect. For sure. But which, which one is yeah. the right one, yeah. right? Like it's, so it's, and that, and that plays into who is playing the other roles as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's so it's, it's a, it's a minefield of, for of just for danger sure. yeah. and, and, and opportunity. So it's crazy. It's a really, really weird experience. Yeah. Uh, another thing to mention, uh, is that we just got a new draft of the script from Kevin and, uh, it is fantastic. It's, it, it's a real, uh, really positive, um, thing to, he doesn't know we think this to, yet. Does he? <laughs> no, not no, yet. This is great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, it's interesting to, to give notes and, and see how they're taking Kevin's especially great at taking notes and really is not precious about the script, which mm -hmm. is really nice. Um, and so I think I think it's fantastic. It's come a long way. It's a lot shorter, but it still reads long. You know, we, right. we, we so, had someone say that that it's a long whatever it was ninety pages, and I think I think that's true. It feels like a full movie. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. Even though that number sounds low, uh, it's I think it's going to play out longer for awesome. sure. So, so that's good. And what else is going on? We're we, we're crewing up now. We've got some really really amazing and talented people on board that it's we're cool. super it's excited cool about. Cool to see it coming coming together yeah. and and yeah and and put puts my mind at ease in certain areas as we as we get someone who yeah. knows exactly what they're doing. It's very nice. And there are a couple indie features at our level that are kind of shooting around the same time. Yeah, it's odd. Yeah, so we've yeah. we've kind of um, uh, Kurt Harder and Chris Ball, who we'll definitely have on the podcast probably in the next month or so, um, are are shooting a horror called Stillborn that we've we've chatted about a casting call for um and they're going right before us so because we're back to back we kind of were like hey why don't we kind of team up and, and share some crew and, mm -hmm. and and share some gear for some long-term rental rates yeah which is a unique opportunity yeah that, for sure that we all have if you can take advantage of yeah it's highly recommended and then at the same time we're we're, we're shooting at the same time as as the everfall folks so yep. uh jason therian and john kissack um green productions and uh so we're kind of competing in that sense a little bit with them. Um, yeah. But we also love them and we want them to succeed. Sure, so it's sure. it's a weird, it's weird. Yeah. It's absolutely. a weird world. Anyway, that's enough about us. Uh, yeah. Um, we have uh, Alec Harrison on the podcast. And if you don't know Alec, um, you should. He's awesome. He's won many awards. He's been up for three Emmy nominations for, uh, for sports um, scoring uh, with ESPN and uh, he's, you know, one of the, another one of these people in our community who has done massive, massive things and, yeah. and not everybody knows about him. But so. somehow he lives in Calgary or actually doesn't live in Calgary, but <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's true. works uh, in Calgary um, and he works for six yeah. degree sound. We talk all about who they are and what they do. Um, but what I love about this conversation is that, uh, there's no Scott Westby. That's my favorite part too. <laughs> I got to no. sit this one out. <laughs> no, my favorite part is, is how quickly he, he gets to a point and we both get to a point where we're, we're not talking about like, so tell me how a mixing board works. We're, we're talking about like, how do you make a decision about what's going on in someone's mind as a character through music, 
So, uh, so the conversation I think is really relatable to any creative person, right? Um, because it's very just creative. It's not necessarily all about music, or there's some of that, of course. But yeah, so I'm excited to share it. Let's get into it. Let's I can't wait. Here he is. Hello, Alec Harrison joining us. Uh, thank you for for having uh, some time for us today, Alec. How are you? Oh, my pleasure. No, I appreciate the uh, the invite. I'm great. Of course, yes. Uh, so you are a three time Emmy nominated composer, um, which is pretty amazing. I, this is what I love about the podcast is is kind of reminding people how awesome our community is and and how internationally recognized uh, some people in it are. Um, so. I guess I just want to talk about what has it always been music or was it was the film thing the first thing for you or, or how did you get into this this particular niche of the film industry? That's a good question. Yeah, I think it started with um, with films and the story I always tell people was it was E.T. for me. Oh, really? Um, when I was a kid in the theater and and um, there's a scene in it that that where you think E.T. might be. We're not sure if he's alive or not. And it was as a little kid fighting that emotion in the theater and then realizing what role the music played. Mm -hmm. And then I was, became just fascinated with how, how music sticks to a, to a film. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, most of my time in school was spent really kind of paying attention to the, the music in movies. And, um, and then from there I got a break when I was 18 doing, um, uh, a fly fishing television series, some music for it. Oh, cool. And then I just kept going and kept going in that direction. Um, and just writing for every, you know, a- anything I could get my hands on. Right. Any opportunity. So it was, it sort of started out through film and that led me to, oh, there's this whole world of music that's written specifically for films right, right. that just fascinated me. Very cool. Um, so, but how did you have the tools to to do all this music stuff? I, I I was trying to do a little bit of research. I, I saw that you went to uh, the Alberta Performing Arts High School. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. It's funny. Like I didn't um, I didn't go to school uh, in the traditional sense. Right. When I was you know out of high school, I looked at going to uh, like a Berkeley or somewhere like that. And there are film scoring programs, more of them now than there used to be, like 20 years ago. Right. Um, but I was really fortunate in that um, a composer named Bruce Lytle hired me when I was just young. And uh, it was very, like, that was like school for me, working with him every day. And so it, it, I wouldn't say it was unnecessary, but certainly that was a path that was open to me and mm-hmm. I, I took it. Right. And so it was really, um, as the technology has improved and, and changed um, as I've gotten older, you know, it's kind of a natural blend where you, you, you learn the latest thing that comes out from a technology standpoint. And I've found too, I'm also more interested now in going back and continuing to study the theory side, um, mm. with a teacher actually with a private teacher. So cool. it's kind of like, you know, there's all these great bits of technology and software, uh, which is actually making me more interested in, you know, staying rooted in the traditional side of it as well. Nice. So let's talk a little bit about that, that ET moment, um, yeah. because it is so powerful. Um, but how do you learn to speak that language? Uh, because I mean, I guess there are some obvious don'ts if you're, if you're trying to create that moment of suspense. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily so easy to know where to actually go and what instruments to use and how to, 
how to make that moment pop with music. Um, is there, yeah. is, is, is there an answer to that question or is it just a feeling thing or what? I think it might be, it's a good question. I think it's a bit of a feeling thing and I think it's a little bit of what it's not. It, it's sort of a lot of elimination that happens when, you know, if you're looking at a scene without, if you watch a film without music, uh, it's kind of funny because the music is that emotional arc. Right. But it's, it's kind of two things. It's deciding, well, this, okay, this isn't a big action scene or this definitely is not, you know, electronic in its palette. So you can start to eliminate things, but it's also just paying close attention to other films and other film scores to see how that composer Mm. helped tell that narrative. And it's funny because, um, I can watch a movie and have no idea at the end of it. I'll have to watch it again because I get I get sidetracked analyzing music, the music. <laughs> and what's going on. Right. And so um, so it's it is and it's a lot of just learning from 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 other other composers as well. Right. You know, because there's always more than one way to approach a film or or a particular scene. But I think a lot of it is just listening to other film scores and and trying to trying to have one foot as an audience member and one foot in the the analytical composer side to go, I'm enjoying this film as an audience, but what now, what's going on with the music? How right, is right. that affecting the I, experience? I love that so much because I relate to it so much right now. I, I'm just going and getting ready to direct my first feature film. That, I've heard about this. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's huge. But, but no, I'm watching yeah. movies differently. Like I'm, yeah. I feel the same way. Like I just watched the Jason Bourne movie and while not a great film, I got totally distracted by, you know, this single chase scene. And I was like, putting the setups together and thinking about the, like, I was like, this is a three week shoot, this chase by itself. How are how is this possible? And Isn't of course we funny? take that for granted all the time, but, but oh. yeah, it's easy to get distracted by just one kind of part of it. And I, I love the parallel there. That's cool. Yeah. 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 It's, it is. It's I, a lot of, I think a lot of um, artists or, or, you know, anyone who contributes to film in a certain way will have that same story, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be makeup or whether, you know, sound design or, or costumes, it's easy to get sucked into that part that sure. you do. And then you get to the end and everyone in the theater is crying and you're like, what's, what happened? <laughs> what? Yeah. Did I yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is yeah, like not necessarily stealing, but you know, emulation and, and looking for ideas in other people's work and being inspired by by that as well as. Oh, totally. I mean, there, it, it's funny. I did, a, I just did a talk recently on this sort of subject and, and it's, there seems to be a, a bit of a pattern where you f- you first you get you get inspired by somebody, and then you try to imitate, and it's in that imitation at first that you start to develop your, I think your voice, right. and then you then then you can then you can modulate what you're doing and say well now I'm it just naturally bends in in the direction that best suits you, hmm. um, but I, and again I think with any 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 art, um, I think it was Stravinsky that said. You know, a, a good artist borrows, a great artist steals, right, or a lesser, right. a lesser artist borrows, a great right. artist steals. Um, yes. And it's not about outright, you know, ripping it off, but certainly recognizing what works and and trying to emulate it to a degree, and then it then it just, I think, naturally becomes your your own contribution. Right, for sure. Evolution. So, who are some of your uh, the victims of your own theft or your? <laughs> <laughs> Your favorites. Yeah, who, who do I, which composers do I send Christmas cards to every year yeah, yeah. with $20 inside? Um, you know, man, there's so many. I mean, you know, I just, just watched, I, I feel terrible admitting this because it's August, but I just watched the new Star Wars like three weeks ago. Oh, wow. Okay. And, you know, 
like I'm just still in awe of John Williams' ability. You know, they call him the master for a reason. And I mean, now he's not a guy who's going to be suited to everything, but to me, he's um, he's probably the closest thing to the pure classical composer who's doing film scores. So I think anything right. he's ever done is somebody might argue with me on that, but it's pretty gold. But lately, it's like uh, Alexander Desplat. I think is quite brilliant. He's very very versatile. What's he been? Doing. I don't know the name. He's done everything from like he just did. Um, he just won an Academy Award last year oh. for. Um, uh, well, he did the Imitation Game, and the same year he did. Uh, was it the Marigold Hotel? So oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he's done like Zero Dark Thirty, which is a pretty gritty score. Mm. And then he did the Fantastic Mr. Fox, oh, cool. which is completely different. And it's yeah. he's extremely versatile. So guys like that, I mean, the standards. Danny Elfman, I think, is. Amazing. And then um, guys like Clint Mansell who, um, and Cliff Martinez who, Cliff who Martinez, aren't. Yes. Yeah, they're not heavy orchestral, but they bring odd instrument combos. And mm-hmm. as does uh, Thomas Newman, you know, strange things where you wouldn't, pairings that you don't expect or featuring cultural instruments that just, that help tell the story right. in a way that you don't, you know, you don't expect, which I love. I love that stuff. Yeah. Well, and then, and I, I love that we're getting into like kind of the, the more creative questions now because um, I think that's cool. But uh, the the question I have for you is now that technology is so advanced, mm-hmm. and we're talking about using some of the the, the lesser uh, expected instruments sometimes. Um, yeah, what is the I need limitations, right? Like I, I like to be able to to be like, okay, I can work inside this box, and it's hard yeah. sometimes to be able to, given the technology that we have, the the suite of tools that you have at your at your disposal, the the seemingly endless instruments. How do you go? Oh man, there's I have the entire world of music to choose from here. What do I do in this moment? Right. Yeah, you've got all the sounds that everyone's heard, yeah. and then a thousand sounds that nobody's heard. Right. Right. Um, again, I think it's, you're right. The parameters and, uh, restrictions are are really in a way essential. It's, it's tough when a client says, ah, just do whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Just have fun. And you know, the, it's, there's no limits, which can be, you get option anxiety and then, then you can't do anything because you're loading up thousand sounds going, what am I? What am I going to pick? Yeah. Um, but again, often it, it's it's a matter of really deducing what isn't going to work. Um, so if you know if you've got a, a piece where you're like, I think this is a little bit quirky, then we then I you know then I kind of look at it and go, well, what what instrument pairings or groupings are are unusual? And often we'll talk in terms of size as well. Like mm-hmm. a client will say, this piece doesn't need to be very big, right? So that immediately I go, okay, I kind of know to stay away from certain things or if they go, it's got to be really driving and percussive and either aggressive or percussive and clean sounding. Mm. It just eliminates some things where you go, okay, I know that those things aren't, aren't, aren't in what they're described and things can change, but certainly in what the client initially wants. Right. And the other thing of course is tent music. So a client will say, I really like this piece of music for the, either the emotional disposition or the pacing or the feeling I get against this scene, mm. then you go, okay, well then we can look at that and go, what's working about that. Um, so if somebody shows you a, you know, a string quartet, you're not going to go away and start plugging guitars in and, you know, probably. Right. 
and making a bunch of noise that way. So, um, but you're right. It can be a little bit overwhelming with, because, you know, there's all these great sounds. It's like, where do you start? Totally. And even if you have the limitation of percussion, I'm like, okay, well, is that like rock drums or are we talking like African drumming? There's there's a lot under percussion. Yeah, there's so much. And so you can use, usually in a conversation with a client, you can get a sense pretty quickly of what they are, um, what, what, what brand they're leaning towards. Right, right. Um, and, and then it, again, it's up to the composer too, to take that information and go, I know what they want. I know they're talking about rock drums, but I think it would be cool if we added this. And yeah, often yeah. I'll show somebody two or three ideas and say, here's what I think you want. And here's what I think is cool. Right. And uh, here's, here's something that's more of an experiment just, just to see. Right. You know, and you talk about clients. So, so this I think this was a good segue into talking about six degrees and, and yeah, and what is six degrees? So we are a um, post audio uh, house. So we do post production audio and original music, and it started uh, twenty years ago doing wow. strictly you know uh, sound design, mix, dialogue, cuts on the post side, and and then original music. And then since then, we've expanded to include things like voice casting, um, doing a lot of work remotely, so a lot of remote voiceover work, right? Um, as well as just continuing to expand on the on the post audio side. Um, so you know, in for example, in a commercial, it might be uh, you know the music mix, the full mix, the dialogue cut, sound design, um, and then on the music side, we've we've also um, we've got another composer, Andrea Wettstein, mm-hmm. who's who I'm hoping you guys can get on the show because I think yeah. that would be an awesome chat with her. And so she brings a whole other skill set to the table, which just expands what we can do at Six Degrees as a group. Right. And then beyond that, we have other artists, um, either artists that we work with or other musicians who, you know, for example, we've got a string player in Nashville that we work with who mm-hmm. will send him parts. So oh, cool. it, it's like... At six, we've become, um, I think we've become good at either expanding or contracting based on the needs of the job. So we've had jobs where it's just one composer doing one piece of music. And then we've had a a job where we needed a 60-piece orchestra. So we were able to do that out in Vancouver and, and get that job to, you know, get the right people and the right number of people involved. Um, which is great fun. doesn't happen every day, right. but it's great when it does. <laughs> right. um, and so, yeah, and just because we live in Calgary, you know, it's, it's, it's always a little bit of a, I think it keeps you sharper because we're not in a major center. Yeah. So we have to get good at working with people remotely and we have to get good at being able to pull in other talent, you know, players as needed mm-hmm. um, to fill out a job so that it, so that it doesn't all become coming out of the same box all the time. For sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Totally. So, but, but, and you guys do a lot of sports stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and, but also you're, you know, in the advertising community here in, in Calgary, um, but also working with independent filmmakers as well. Yeah. And it's, that's something we love to do. Um, you know, is, is when you get a young, I say young filmmaker or say a first time director. Yeah. As an example, I don't know. Just as an example, <laughs> um, but what's great is, and for me, the the that relationship that forms before the the film is shot is something that we all really love to invest in, um, because that's where the 
that's where the fun of it is, is in, you know, getting to know a director or a producer talking about the project and how we can, can contribute to it. Because I, you know, we firmly believe in, in the importance of investing mm-hmm. in, in people's projects early um, because it's, that's how the industry grows and it's it, alliances are so important and having those by alliances, I mean, um, uh, really it's friendships. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 you look at the, the composer director relationships in Hollywood and, and how often you, you almost can guarantee who the composer is based on either the director's name or who the producer is because right. they work well together. Yeah, and that's, yeah. uh, for us, that's really important. For sure. So what, what is the, the path? And, and, and would you say that your path has been, um, Rep- replicatable if that's a word um is it is it copyable could someone say hey yeah i, I want to take the same path alec took or is it is it kind of a different journey for everyone and so uh, the easier question is how do you become a composer for film i think it's um i yeah i think re- re- whatever the word we just invented replicatable <laughs> <laughs> here's the difference when i started um the the biggest the biggest game changers technology. So, right. you know, when I started out, let's say twenty years ago, if you were to take five thousand dollars and invest it, you would get, you know, you'd probably get a computer and a few other bits and pieces, but you really wouldn't have enough to produce much music. You would still really be relying on live players for the most part. You right. could still write a piece. But the technology, the sounds weren't really there right? like they are today. So for someone starting out today, I mean, you can put together a really, you know, a really smoking system for not a lot of money and get a pretty high quality sound hmm. much, much more quickly. Um, so that's definitely the, you know, difference number one. The second thing is the internet. It didn't, I mean, in, in back in the late nineties, it wasn't, certainly wasn't, wasn't around like it is now. No, no. I don't even know if it was around. (laughs) No, I mean, certainly. Yeah. My, yeah. My first recollection of, I mean, certainly not in 95. Was it at all a a commercial thing? I I guess it was maybe a a government thing, but yeah. And it's, you know, I remember the day that we delivered our first job using the internet (laughs) and not using a physical tape. Yeah. Yeah. Or a physical hard drive. So that to me is another thing that changes things big time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I started out, um, I was also living in Okotoks at the time, which was at that time a small little town. And so it, it took a lot more effort for me to be connected into the community. And what I tell people now is like, you know, get to know, get to know the people who are in your peer group who are the up and coming directors and the writers and the producers and who are... Like you can go and shoot a film now, like on an iPhone, if you really wanted to, yeah, and practice. Whereas it was much more difficult to do that, right? Twenty years ago. So I mean, I hesitate to say that it's easier now, but it's certainly the technology and the freedoms that we have are just more obvious than they were twenty years ago. It's less about the traditional meeting people face to face, and you know having a big budget in front of you first before you start. Right. You can kind of start now in a, just a different way. Hmm. So it's, it's still, it's tough, but it's not, um, it's not, I don't think it's harder. We'll put it that way. Okay. So, but, so what would someone today do? What would the first step be to, to get into that? I think uh, the first step is just to 
decide on the kind of composer you're going to be. Mm. So if you're someone that, you know, if you're like, I, you know, I only want to write piano pieces for film, um, that's cool. It just may not be as easy or possible to do it here mm -hmm. as if you were living in a bigger center. But then again, you go to Toronto or LA, there might be a hundred people like you doing that exact right, thing. Right. And so then it's like, okay, well, what's where, how, how versatile do you want to be? You know, because it's, it's a little bit of a, a balance between saying I can do three or four things really well. But then if you get to the point where you're like, oh, I can write in any style, people have a hard time with that too. They right. go, well, uh, maybe I don't want somebody who can write in any style. You know, you need to sort of go, yeah. I love orchestral music and I'm a huge fan of jazz. And that's kind of where my big, you know, my two big areas of study are. Mm -hmm. And areas of study, that's something I've, I've said to, to young composers as well is because the technology is so good and the sounds come out of the box sounding great. Um, if I could go back in time, I would say to myself, just keep studying the, the notes on the page. Keep, keep studying the art of composition because that will be a difference, a point of difference for any young composer down the road versus somebody who's just relying on the technology. Because at some point, there, those, the differences will start to show themselves right. between somebody who's like, I can just manipulate sounds versus somebody who goes, I know what the lowest note on a cello is. You know what I mean? Right. So you're not, so you're writing parts that are idiosyncratic to the instrument versus right. just making the sounds um, sound good. And then just be connected. Like I said, get to know the, you know, your the people within your peer group who are the filmmakers or the, you know, the, the directors and those, those folks that, right. that want to be producing the content mm -hmm. that you'll be a part of later and, right. and just go have lunch and get to know each other. And then, hopefully you start working together. That's a, that's a great tip. And it's certainly very important that you got to network. You got to be part of the community for sure. You do. And, and, um, and then finding, I guess the last part point would be to find somebody if say, if you're specifically looking at film composition to find somebody who's doing it and has been doing it where you can go. And, and that's what I did and go and find someone that you can glean information from and, and, um, and just get to know a bit about how the business works and, and, you know, the daily, the daily grind of being a right, film composer right. because for some people they might look under the hood and go, I don't, ugh, that's, I don't want to do that. It might push them in a different direction or they take a look and go, that's the most exciting thing in the world. How do I, how do I get in on it? For sure. Nice. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, no, I think, I think you definitely <laughs> did. Um, so what, you know, looking at your body of work, there's, hmm. and, and the Emmys, are the Emmy nominations? The they're they're are they all in the sports world and and what's that like to score for? Yeah, they're all um, work with uh, that we've done with ESPN. Right, cool. And they're they're uh, they're neat because it it's because I'm a big sports fan and the the group we work with Victory Pictures um, out of Connecticut. They it's it's really two guys and they're. They're just so brilliant at t at finding the the story behind the sport. So it might be you know an individual or the the storyline with a team. We've done the World Cup together a few times. Oh wow! And they just look at things differently. They're not go and shoot some soccer and cut it together. Um, you know that we did Africa and we did Brazil, and they really wanted to get into 
the culture of the country and find out a bit about the people that live there and how that sport impacts them on a daily basis and how having the World Cup impacts them. That's cool. So from a story, purely storytelling uh, standpoint, it was a lot like working on a film. It was, the sport was the, the mechanism, but really it came down to connecting people. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the part to me that was the most exciting was that we were, we were connecting to a culture in a way that you, you wouldn't otherwise have access to. Right. Which was really unexpected, you know, cause yeah. it's all about the sports, but really it's like, and it's, you know, you certainly have your themes of victory and, and struggle and defeat. Um, but those are, those themes are, are common for anybody. Right. You know? And I think, yeah, that audience has gotten used to a much, like much more than just like, um, what's a, I'm trying to think of like a, uh, classic sports Rudy like like that kind of yeah. story has been told and now now I think there's an expectation of, of it's got to be way more gritty and way more real and 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 an audience yeah that audience just has gotten used to needing it to be epic and that's uh that's pretty cool I, I highly recommend people check out some of the work you've done in that area because it's I mean sports is such an interesting world to work in because there's a story being told on the field and yeah. uh it can be, it can be really um, amplified with music. I think it's pretty amazing. And it's and that story is is and that's a good point because the the individual athletes all have an unbelievable. You could do a film on every athlete, right? You know, and it would yeah. be like very interesting. Um, you know, I just finished up a little bit of music for a doc, um, all about fighting and hockey. It's called Ice Guardians, and yes. it is it's not what you think, and it's it's very very well told. You it changes your opinion. It certainly can has the ability to change, which I love about docs. Mm-hmm. You can go into it thinking ah, hockey fighting whatever, and you come out of it going whoa I I never thought of that. I didn't know these guys experienced that level of anxiety before a game, or these are the thoughts that go through their head. And it, it just, it, it humanizes them, which mm-hmm. I, again, that, I'm just using that as an example, because that's an easy group to go. They're goons, they're mindless thugs. Yeah. But what I love about, about what's, what a sports doc can do is it can change your mind and it can change your perception either of the entire game or a component of the game Yeah. that you look at it differently. You Like I watch soccer differently now because of all the exposure I've had with the world cup. Right. I just right. see it as a, same with football. Um, it's it, and that's that's the that's the cool part about it. And you're right; people do want they want to hear the backstory of the athlete. But then when you go to a game, that story's being written in front of you. Totally, yeah. You know, we don't. We, there's very few places where that happens. Yeah, outside of sports, it's true. And and yeah, I, I, the trailer for Ice Guardians blew my mind. Just, uh, that's that's all I've seen so far. But we've had Adam on the podcast, and and of course that's going to uh, some screens very soon. So I'm yeah. excited to see the full thing. But I agree, yeah. The, the the story was it's there's so much more going on that and i and i was totally one of those people who just wrote oh they just fight in hockey okay got it uh, yeah yeah and there's yeah. so much more going on than that yeah you're and it's and it's like uh you don't realize how how much a mental strain it is yeah. you know that yeah. on all the the thoughts that go into it and it's like so that's just again an example of of and that's what i love about those particularly in sports because i think it's easy to to assume and we only see a really small portion you see the persona of that athlete on the field or on the the ice or whatever mm-hmm. we just assume that we know who they are right and then they come off and you go oh that's a totally different that's a different person altogether you yeah. know yeah 
Well, and, and I and I mean, this is this is only just coming to me during this conversation. And, and correct me if I'm way off, but I, the the thing that I'm I'm starting to understand, and maybe I'm late to the game here, mm-hmm. is that music is really the way we can, you know, uh, someone who writes a novel can say, oh, you know, Jeff is thinking and feeling this. Um, but in film and even in sports, all we can see is what's on someone's face, um, the actions they take, but we can't get inside their head. And music is like the, the one way of like, especially as a filmmaker of being like, here's how I can tell the audience what this person is thinking, what this person is feeling. Yeah. And that's hugely powerful. Yeah. And it's kind of yeah. the only way to do it. You're right. It is because it's like there was a, a good example. And if, if I can remember his name, that would be even better. Um, but it was the game. There was a, a, a Super Bowl game. It was um, Seattle and I think it was San Francisco. And um, I can't remember the name of the, the cornerback for Seattle. Anyway, massive personality on the field. And he he had like um, uh, he had an interview, like an on-field interview right after the game where he was fired up mm-hmm. and was tr- like trash talking the other team and he <laughs> you know he caught some heat for it but then later you get an interview with him where he's not on the field you know he's out of that zone and it's yeah. like a different uh he's a different person <laughs> and you go you know what i it's a, you don't it's easy to judge somebody richard sherman that's the guy it's easy to judge him for that on-field interview because he's full of adrenaline and he's been working his butt off for 60 minutes and he, he's paid to be that guy on the field. Yeah. And it's easy to go, well, that guy's just a mouthpiece or he's got an ego. But then you look at a documentary on him and it's a completely different story. Right, and, you, right. and you get an understanding of, you're right, of like how he thinks. And that's the fun part with the music is being able to just not push the emotion on the audience, but just reinforce it and right. say, you know, here's, here's, here's a part of this guy's story that you may not you you may not have thought about or may not have considered or that you know his origins or, yeah. or the struggle he had getting here uh, which is why i love watching e60 on on espn because they do that so well they get into a a story and you go wow hmm. you know you always come away going i have a totally different perspective on that right on that player um which is great i love that i love that stuff for sure so uh Let's talk about so, and maybe I'll lead into this a little bit better. The the, um, I, I definitely I, I'm not trying to to bash or or uh, look down on filmmakers who who get their first feature done um, on the cheap and then put it out there. And I think that's cool, and there's a lot to be learned from that. But when you scrape together. $25,000 or $50,000 for a feature film um, and you get it out there, I, I find that those films lack the post-production, right? Because we have, we do have access to, to really decent cameras and people will, you know, work for free or for food and, and you can, you can get it done that way. But what sets a film apart to, and, and what I think makes a film feel like a cinematic experience and feel like a, like a commercial product um, or something that Hollywood might produce is is the post production, and that's that's picture, but it's also sound, and that's not cheap. Um, and I just wonder if you if you maybe would make the case for uh, I don't know I, because I think my suggestion to filmmakers would be like if you're if you're gonna get thirty k and shoot something, maybe wait a year and build up, make it sixty k, and give yourself a real post production budget because it 
makes a huge difference, uh, even, yeah. even on a short. Um, so what, what, can you speak to that? I, I don't even know. Yeah. Question, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I totally get it because I think that, and it's true. I mean, the sound, which includes, you know, everything from dialogue to mix to music is, mm-hmm. is really kind of half of, half of the, half the film. I think, you know, Spielberg mentioned that. Yeah. A couple of times. And I think when you're starting out, when you go and you're, you're going to make a film as a filmmaker, you're thinking about shooting it. Mm-hmm. And how am I going to get this story into the hands of actors? And then I got to go and shoot this thing. And I want to shoot it in a way that's interesting and, and has my own voice. And so much of that, your energy is going into capturing the story on the, with the right weather, with the right actors mm-hmm. at the right time of year, in right. the right locations. Um, all of that is all visual. It's all visual. And then you get to the point where it's time to do post. And I've seen it happen where I've, you know, worked on short films and, and you go to the th- a theater screening or something and it's like, you can't, the dialogue gets lost because yeah. there was no mix. Yeah. And unfortunately the experience for the audience falls short very quickly. If you can't understand if you can't understand all that dialogue that you worked so hard at mm-hmm. shooting, or if the music's just so loud, for example, or isn't isn't mixed properly, or either you can't hear it, so it feels like there's none, right? Or maybe it's you know, maybe it's not quite the right piece, or it's it's that that and that can be very discouraging, I think, for a, a young filmmaker to mm-hmm. sit back and go, oh, because you're as a filmmaker, you're really your job is 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 thinking about all of those visual components. Right. And that's where early on, if you can kind of pair yourself with somebody who's, whose job it is to think about all things sound related, then together you can sort of, if you look at that, your job is being half the film, not 90% of the film, then you're going to hand it off to your, to your post sound folks. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know that that other half of your film is being taken care of. And I agree with you. I think it, it can be worth waiting to make sure that you've got the budget to, to do it because it's, um, uh, you know, you say, well, I got to shoot a, say you're shooting a feature in like 15 days and, you know, you can spec out, okay, well, I got to, you know, the cameras are going to cost me this and actors are going to cost me that. Then when it comes to post, it is a little bit of a different world because now your, your post might take two months or three months and working on timelines and how, okay, well, where's my, where are my deliverables and, <laughs> and, and knowing all, and also having people who have the expertise to say, uh, both visually and audio wise to go, well, what are we delivering? Are you delivering to festivals? Do you need to deliver 5.1 mixes and stereo mixes? Um, you know, primarily, are you going to be doing theatrical release or are you going like to Netflix and all of those, pr- it's actually amazing. There's a whole science behind how an engineer will mix a film based on its final, its final home. Right. Um, and sometimes you end up with multiple mixes depending on where your, your stuff is showing. Really? So if you know, yeah. So if you're doing like, if you're doing a festival circuit and you know that you're going to be in small theaters that are primarily in mono, um, that will affect how, how the engineer will approach it and right. how often they're collapsing down to mono to make sure that everything sounds correct. And Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's funny cause I've sat in with, with, with our engineers in the past on stuff and it's like, there's a whole bunch of math going on. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> it's like, it's like this physics you know, <laughs> class. Right. 
but it and but you're right. That's a long answer to a short question, but it's 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 um I think the worst thing that can happen for a young filmmaker or first-time filmmaker is to get to that point and then have it have the end product stumble on the sound. Mm-hmm. And it may be that it's the worst thought for me is that if that it, that could be enough to deter them from doing it again. Right. Which which to me is like that would be terrible. Cuz you know, you're you're um what you're doing as a filmmaker is it's, it takes guts, man. You got to be brave yeah, for to sure. go and tell us some, a story and it's personal and it's, it's a ton of work. Totally. Um, so if you go in with your eyes open, knowing the assets that you have to manage, uh, yeah, you're right. Sometimes it might, it might be good just to hold on and make sure that you've got all those bases covered mm-hmm. as well as you, as well as you can. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, we, I look at the money that's available for even just a short film, uh, and I think the common one in Alberta is is 50, you can get up to 15k from the Alberta uh, Foundation for the Arts, and and even that's not really enough to do it like a good 10 minutes, in my opinion. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I mean, to, if you want to pay everybody properly, and then you want to do a proper, you know, picture and and audio mix, uh, and and to do all of it right at a at a level that is. Um, expected now from audiences, um, that's not enough. I, I mean, Bravo Fact, I think, does 32 uh, for a seven-minute short, and that's, I think, closer. And now we've got this new one um, or this opportunity coming up for filmmakers at the Calgary International with Bravo Fact for 50K. Mm. And, and I think that would be about a 10-minute short. I, I could be wrong about that. But um, but that's like, okay, now that's enough to, to have a proper sound mix and to have a real score and, and to do a, a, a real color session. And, and um, uh, yeah, unfortunately those are, those things are expensive. So as a, yeah. as an independent filmmaker, what is the thing that I should be thinking of going into a short film um, when it comes to, you know, you know my dialogue and, and my music um, beforehand, you're talking about how most times heads are in a visual place and, and how can filmmakers think and prep better before they shoot? It's a great question. Um, I think just meeting with, with your team, as it were, with your, with your post audio team to say, here's the script, mm-hmm. here's what we're going to go and shoot. And, um, and like our engineers, I mean, they're, they're great at looking at something and then often for a filmmaker, it's like, Hey, could you help me address like what's, what's a pitfall that I should be aware of? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, well, who's your, um, like, who's your location sound guy? And it's like, what do you mean? So we need a location sound guy. Like that <laughs> might just, honestly, I know it sounds like a joke, but sometimes yeah. that's like, well, we got a really good mic on the camera and then a mixing engineer might go, yeah, but you know what? If you could get a location sound guy with a boom or doing it this way, you're going to save yourself a whole bunch of time. Yeah when it comes to cleaning up the dialogue later. So you say, well, that's an extra investment on the shooting side, but you're going to save yourself a whole bunch of time on the post side because you captured that audio in the best possible way. Totally. Um, So yeah, I love it when we can get together with a filmmaker ahead of time and get a sense of, you know, what they're shooting, where they're shooting. um, And then our engineers can sometimes say, well, think about doing it this way or think about having, you know, this particular you know, big fuzzy microphone on hand or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from the music side, knowing the, the disposition of, of the film ahead of time, 
for a composer, you know, we can at least start thinking about it and start kind of pulling together, doing that thing like we talked about earlier where I'm going, okay, well, I've got a bazillion sounds. Now I can start to narrow down maybe a palette. Okay. That can take a day. Yeah. But that can happen That can happen away from actually seeing the film where you go, I, you know, and I've, I've gotten into a thing recently where I'll write, you know, like almost like a little suite. I think you and I have talked about that before and yeah. then showing that to a director and saying, do, you know, is your film in here somewhere? Yeah. So being able to meet up is, is, is really critical. And if you can bring your, your post sound people into the process before you shoot, mm-hmm. then everyone's, everyone's working toward the same goal that everyone's brains are sort of aligned right. for like, okay, we got to create this. Here's our budget. Here's our, here's the smartest way to, to get there. And, right. and, um, you know, Dan at, at McManus at, at six is great with that stuff. He's really good at looking at the scope of a job and really quickly going, here's an efficient way to get us from, from, you know, A to B, mm-hmm. here's what you're going to need to budget. And, um, and then at least everyone's aware. Yeah. Everyone's aware. And then you, it's just a more cohesive process. I found if you can do that ahead of time. Totally. So, uh, what is, what exactly is a dialogue mix? What what happens there? I have no idea. Those guys <laughs> just do it, and um, really, it's just it's a lot of of uh, you know it's a lot of editing. It's a lot of taking out noises and making sure the levels are all equal. Right. Um, one of the most interesting things that I, that I've learned um, is you know engineers when they add room tone. Mm. I remember the first time I heard about this on a short film, and yeah. One of the engineers was like, "Oh, I got, I got to go in and add room," and I was like, "What's room? I mean, room tone? That doesn't <laughs> doesn't make sense." But yeah. then he showed me, and it's like it's it just it's the sound that happens when you throw a mic up in a space, and all of the little noises that happen, and just yeah. there's a certain uh, ambience that occurs. So once you get those things in place, and once you get the dialogue so that it's not, um, you know, you you don't have these massive swings in in volume. Mm-hmm then everything then becomes it kind of puts the dialogue on a on a on an audio plane where it's it's leading and then you can start making decisions around it with music and sound design right, and right. and that sort of thing so that you're not you're not having lines swallowed up by you know other audio assets right. going on i remember when i first started you know shooting my own little short films in high school and things and and then cutting back and forth in in a dialogue scene it there's, it's like painfully obvious how how different the sound is, and you can hear the cut. You can hear you can hear it. Obviously, it matches. Um, but even if you try to do something fancy, you can hear where the audio switches over uh, yeah. from one person's dialogue to you know the next over the shoulder or whatever it is. And uh, and yeah, I guess I mean <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even sure I know how to avoid it now, um, other than to just try to get as even sound as possible. But I guess room tone is is maybe the key there. It's just one of the it's just one of the interesting aspects to right. to the world of sound design and another one that with dialogue is ADR which is mm. crazy where you've got someone in the booth replacing a line but then the engineers the way that they'll if you just take a piece of ADR on its own and drop it into a scene even if it's like you're matching the dialogue to the movement of the lips of the um of the actor yeah then it's like you've got to look at the lines around it and go what environment are they in right. naturally? How do we recreate that environment for those few lines so that it all blends together? So it doesn't sound like 
you're in an airplane hangar yelling at the general, get in the copter. And all of a sudden there's a super dry line of someone yeah. saying, we're not, we don't have enough fuel, sir. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, I mean, it's hilarious when you hear it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like that. And it but happens all it, the time too in, in, oh. in Hollywood movies. It's like, oh, that was an ADR line. You saw, yeah. You can definitely, you can definitely hear it um, in, you know, yeah. It, I mean, and, and a good, a good um, engineer is able to, to blend it. And usually the lines are short and with other stuff going on, it kind of helps it glue together, Right. but it is an art. Like I watch how the engineers do it and it's, it's, they know it's, it's analyzing the natural environment that you're trying to replicate and then do, replicating it digitally. It's, it's, I don't totally get it. Right. <laughs> do it. Well, yeah. And, and that's true of, of uh, like color correction as well. For me, I, th- I find that that, that stuff is like, there are only a few people who really, really know what they're doing in that world in Alberta and, and, and they're like ninjas, right? Like they are like ninjas. They know it's, secrets. It's true. And, and it's like, they say, you know, if a film, if a mix in a film is good, you'll never notice. Right. And if the mix is bad, you're going to, you're going to know, <laughs> you're going to find out. So it's like, if you leave a, a theater and, and uh, you know, nobody mentions the music, you probably did okay. Right. Right. You know, or the sound, but it's when it's like, ugh. If it's, if it's something is off or it sounds weird or it's hard to hear, people notice that. And that's right. where, that's where it's like, if you don't get noticed, you probably yeah. did a good job. Yeah. I remember I, yeah, I went to, to uh, an arts high school in, in Edmonton and uh, the, there's like this stage manager there who's, who's this amazing dude who's been there for forever. I'll never forget his name's Nico. And we all come in and, and get our, we're, we're going to sit down with him and do our, you know, Q to Q lighting setups mm-hmm. with him. And, and of course we're all in high school. So, so it's like, Oh, this is an angry scene. Here is a red cyclorama. This is <laughs> anger. And it's like, okay, whoa, <laughs> let's just, we don't have to be that on the nose. And he said, of course, the same thing. It was like, let's, if someone comes up to me after a play and says, I loved the lighting you did that that's a failure for me. I, I don't want it to be, noticeable enough uh, i want it to just blend into the story yeah yeah it, it's weird because it's like with any of those uh, of those contributions to either like a stage play or, or to film um it's and i'm sure it's the same with people who do costumes or who do makeup or who do lighting or anything it, unless you're in it yourself and you're just acutely aware you're tuned into that one aspect for most people they're not and right. they will um they'll look at the experience as an overall experience. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and they might not realize that the reason they felt a certain emotion was, you know, due to the, that, that slow push on the camera and the lighting and the way the For music sure. came in. And, but that's the, and that's the thing I think that you get used to as a contributor to film in any mm-hmm. capacity is going, I'm, if I do this poorly, everyone's going to know. If I don't do it at all, it's going to, everyone's going to know that there's something missing, but if I do it well, it's like you're invisible, which is really strange. The better you are, the the more transparent you become in the whole process. Right. Um, Which is why I think it attracts people who don't necessarily want to be performers in, you know, like musicians that, that want to be on stage. That's a whole different skill set than the composer who wants to be behind the scenes and, go to the film and not be recognized. Right, right. <laughs> Nobody know who you are. Um, but it's funny. It's like, yeah, you get really good at it. It's, you almost disappear into the fabric of the film. And, totally. 
if you can find satisfaction in that in that transparency, then then you're doing okay. Right. And I I I, I, I don't know where it was, or this was like before DVD, but there was and, and Jaws is always the go-to, like like mm. the, the music that happens there, and then when you think about what that terrible mechanical shark actually looked like um the music was doing the heavy lifting on making that a scary thing totally <laughs> and uh and and yeah I, I just happened to see something on tv of a, they where they pulled just the score and all the rest of the sound was there and it was like man this is not a scary moment without that music it's no and there's some there's guys uh, i can't remember what they're called there's this there's a few of them on youtube and they take famous uh movie scenes and they it looks like they've just removed the music, but what they've done is they've just redone all the right all to. of the sound design yeah. and all the ambiences, <laughs> and of course they just haven't put the music in. Right, and there's a great one. It's the end of Star Wars Episode Four. Mm-hmm. It's right at the end of the film, um, and that whole scene with the the metals and everything or whatever yeah. uh, is all. It's I mean it's a huge music moment. Yeah, and they've redone it where. <laughs> It's there's no music and all you hear are like footsteps <laughs> and like the occasional like <coughs> coming right. from the back of the room <laughs> yeah. and then Chewie makes a noise yeah. and like somebody's stomach growls but the, because there's no dialogue in that scene yeah yeah um, it's all it's painful right. it's painful because it <laughs> feels so slow and it's the same with Jaws or any of them where you go oh okay there's a there's an example where yeah definitely the music is is sort of your main character it's mm-hmm, leading mm-hmm. and it's also I think. And it's knowing that the music can't always be doing that. You know, yeah. it can't always be the the hero. But when you pull yeah. it out, it is. It's hilarious because yeah. it's such a stark, like, it's like well, a house without a roof or something. <laughs> and that reminds me of, of what the bad lip reading people are doing. Yeah. Because, <laughs> man, do they the work that goes into that, people have no idea. Because you, no. you'd have to pull out all the sound and then rebuild all. The, like, yeah, if it's the football players, you, you have to pull all the, the sound back in. You have to find you know, the, the crowd sounds and rebuild all of that. If you want to replace just the, the dialogue with your own thing, that's a massive amount of work, huge amount of work. Yeah. And it's become popular too, with, um, you know, YouTube videos where they go, Oh, we, we isolated Dave Grohl's guitar from the board and it like leaked out. And so you'll see Foo Fighters playing and then it's somebody in a studio where they've taken the band, the recording, the live and, affected it so it sounds like it's all sort of washy and only coming through one mic i'm just using him as an example and and then it's somebody with that can't play the guitar just hacking through the song and it the way that they kind of mix it it sounds and it's in time with his hand you go oh my god dave Grohl's a terrible guitar (laughs) but it's of course you're not hearing him i've seen this a few times where they've shown you know two artists that are unknown on stage playing unusual instruments in a crowd and the entire thing is redone right so it looks like the singers can't sing or play their instruments and they put it on youtube and it's really interesting because when it matches you can tell by the number of comments of people going oh music today and kids and (laughs) you know bring back the beatles and it's like but they don't realize that all of the that and it's because it's done well it sounds it's affected to sound like a live performance Mm -hmm. it could fool you right into thinking like oh man these these girls can't sing or play. They're terrible. Why are people there's and one of my favorites is a guy on a t- turntable at a party and he's got his earphones on and it, it looks like a rooftop type party. 
and he's he's spinning a record and someone's gone in and rebuilt the entire thing <laughs> to be a cowbell it's just a cowbell <laughs> and like he's got his arms in the air and the crowd's jumping up and down and it's just this clonk 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 through the entire 4 minutes right but it's very convincing because it's you hear the crowd is reacting and you know yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in line with it but <laughs> It's hilarious, and it is. It's it's very funny. It's funny if you if you're if you get the joke, right? <laughs> or it's tragic if you don't see that it's for a joke. sure, for sure. You know, it looks like the the world of music is ending, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what else should we talk about? Or are you uh, have we covered the the main points that you wanted to make sure we we talked about? I think so. All right, cool. I think so. Unless there's any, unless you've got any other burning questions. Uh, I mean, there's always more, uh, but but for now, people can, can people reach out to you and, and ask ask their own questions if you're available. Definitely, yeah. No, I love that. I love hearing from, um, for especially from people who maybe are starting out or mm-hmm. or um, you know just even curious. I think that's something that's that's one challenge with being being a composer where your 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 career is is really in behind the the curtain. Um, it, it can feel like you're, you're maybe not as accessible, mm-hmm. which, which I'm, I'm sort of tr- trying to work on going, you know, I love hearing from, from people, whether yeah. it be filmmakers or, or other composers who are starting or, um, or even seasoned people who just want to connect. It's, it's, uh, it's very easy, I guess, to get insulated in your own little world mm-hmm. working away and you forget that, oh yeah, I got to connect with other human beings well and that and that was that amazing thing to you guys reached out to us when we uh got the nsi uh, features first thing and and we got a a tour and and yeah super you know and and we could have always reached out to you but you know it's interesting how it doesn't necessarily occur to people that you know you you could you could just ask a guy like grant harvey for for coffee Um, yeah yeah you know like nobody in this industry is so pretentious that they wouldn't meet with someone and, and give them you know 20 minutes to to chat so now and that's a huge point that's something that i think we don't realize especially in calgary that because we are kind of we're not the biggest city um i think that that anyone i've come across in the film the film world here in any capacity super friendly very approachable um because we've all we've all kind of done the same um, I don't want to say struggle, but the same path where you go, oh, okay, this is tricky or this is hard because we, of where we live or you just get used to certain challenges. And, and when we go to, you know, big events like Ampia and whatnot, that's where it's great because you get to see everybody mm-hmm. and you're right. People are not, um, people don't covet, you know, advice. And no. I think generally, um, everybody goes, you know what, if you've got questions or you, you, you know, you want to talk about, you know, how I got here from the mid nineties to today, let's do it because it's, it's, things are changing so fast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I've got a young, young guy or young girl who comes in and is, is curious, giving them knowledge isn't, is, is just helping everybody. If I can help someone just avoid like a, you know, a, a misstep or, um, give them a little bit of advice that, that just even keep, keeps them from giving up, Mm -hmm. then that's, huge you know like totally. that's that's kind of our i feel like as you get older it's kind of part of your the unwritten part of your job you know indeed indeed yeah so where can people reach you then they can i'm uh, i'm on twitter now matt awesome exciting um <laughs> i don't remember my twitter handle oh i'm alex six degrees all right at 
Alex Six Degrees. So um, I'm trying to keep tweeting interesting things. Yes. Um, it's uh, Twitter's like having a garden. It's just this constant maintenance of like. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, and then uh, yeah, or um, you can. I've got a website, just alecharrison.com, and that will connect you with me, and it'll connect you with Six Degrees. SixDegrees.ca is our uh, company website. So, um, we're, we're out there. So yeah, I love, love connecting with people. So I certainly encourage people to to reach out. Awesome. And here's a question that I've never, I've never thought of just as we go here. Uh, wh- where did the name six degrees come from? I, th- well, originally that's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> we had to do a name change a number of years ago because originally, um, we were twin towers. Oh, productions. So if you go back, go back to like the sort of mid nineties mm-hmm. and it was because the owners were both very tall. Oh, and okay. so it made perfect sense. Yeah. And, uh, they were just often referred to as the twin towers and they sure. went, that's a, that's a great name. Yeah. And then for obvious reasons, uh, it became not okay no, of course. to carry that name. So we went through, uh, <laughs> we had like a, let's rename the company, um, experience mm-hmm. and somebody came up with just the six degrees of separation that were oh. the 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 philosophy is we are all connected right, right. and cool. especially with what we do it's you know we just really liked that idea of six degrees of separation nice which just became six degrees which just became six right um and so uh so yeah you can ju- we're just a number now <laughs> <laughs> We've got ourselves down to a number. For sure. um, so yeah, and it's it's cool because it's very it's just you know it's it's easy to remember and um, yeah, and so and yeah, we figured with a name like Six Degrees that that it it's just it's an easy you know it's easy to remember and uh, it's a good question though I haven't been asked that question in a long time. Hmm. Well, thank you again for uh, spending some time with us and uh, people uh, I'm sure will reach out. Uh, and and I think it's fair to say as well that if you're you know if you're a, a filmmaker, um, and and you're you're on a limited budget, uh, Alec and, and and Six understand that and, and are open to a conversation about that because you're going to add a lot of uh, production value to your film with a with a great post house like Six. So oh, we um, appreciate that. Yeah, it's 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 just always good just to talk about yeah about it and uh, because it's it you know a career in this business isn't short. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not a quick, like, you know, you, you want to think long-term and how Absolutely. do we, how do you roll this into the next one? And, sure. you know, event, maybe one day you'll direct your first feature. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank awesome. you so much. No, thank you. That was a lot of fun, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Awesome. Bye now. See ya. All right. So there it is. Alec. What, what a... That that is he must be the easiest person to talk to. Oh yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah for sure. He's so so smart. So yeah, comfortable to talk to for sure. I remember the first time we met him was um, pretty shortly after we had uh, gotten into the NSI features first program. Yeah, yeah. And he called us up and he's like, "Hey, we should know each other. Come mm-hmm. on in." Mm-hmm. And we just sat and we talked about Katy Perry for like an hour. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, and got and got an introduction to the studio. And, yeah, and, but he's like, yeah, he's the kind of guy you can just talk about anything or not or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, he's he's really nice. I like him a lot. For sure, super fun and uh, great stories. So thanks, Alec, and yeah. um, thanks to Six Degrees as well. Like we said, check them out. They are uh, interested in assisting with your project. So, um, okay, let's get into the news you can use or just regular news. Because you had some news you wanted to bring up, uh, right? Well, yeah, right away the uh, the 
two NSI pieces of information. Yes. Um, one being that Greg Jeffs, who's uh, Feature's first alumni, uh, in a very small group uh, along with us and Jason Long and Robert Cuffley. Um, but he has a, a film that's that's just been selected to premiere at the London Fright Fest called uh, It's All in Your Head, oh. which is cool. I think his daughter's in it, which is interesting oh, that's as funny. well. Yeah. Didn't you do that? Wasn't that where Sharkosaurus was too? Or was that something else? Because he was in London uh, yeah. for Sharkosaurus as well. Yeah. I don't think it's the same festival. No, but I think you're right. Something, something else. Yeah, it was like something by the sea. Anyway, also uh, from NSI, um, some news that the producers, uh, what's it called? The Business, Business for, for Producers, producers yeah. program just opened to Western Canadians uh, has selected their participants and uh eric rabalkin from uh mosaic entertainment spencer esterbrooks from insurrection films and frederick croach uh from open sky pictures sir if i got your name wrong um are all the alberta selectees for that Hooray. program so that's very exciting i cannot wait to see um what they get out of it and how mm. it goes for them yeah for sure because um, it's an awesome program uh and if you are uh, a producer you should look for the next intake for that. It's very interesting. You know, there's, uh, especially as an Alberta producer, you know, they've partnered with um, StoryHive right. as well. And now um, with Manitoba on screen. On screen Manitoba, yeah. Um, so, yeah, very focused on giving opportunities to Albertans lately, which is great. Yeah, and, and that's, and that's something that's been great about NSI too, is that they're not um, afraid to uh, team up with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, which we don't, you know, it's surprisingly how... how little you see that yeah yeah i mean it's and it's so true of of our our industry in general um everyone kind of wants thinks they can do it themselves we were talking about this with a few filmmakers recently that yeah we have trouble connecting with each other we have trouble you know a lot of us there's actually quite a few of us in this industry and it's surprisingly uh, we don't all know each other right um so so what's the the solution for the organizations um yeah i don't don't know i mean how about a podcast yeah yeah (laughs) i I, I hope i hope that it helps and i think it does in in whatever degree um but yeah i think it's more networking events right like i think it's important yeah i agree get out to csif events get out to story hive events get out to and there's uh, i mean there's a little bit of um silo syndrome i think where where if we're if you're part of a group you kind of assume that other groups uh are competition Mm -hmm. or or they don't really care about you yeah um but i had a conversation with phil bowen once phil bowen is uh we gotta have him on he's amazing but he he, he's on the board for m media Mm -hmm. and we're on the board for csaf and uh and of course you would assume that these two calgary organizations would be in competition with each other right um, and I had brought up an idea to him for kind of joining forces and, and he was like, oh yeah, sweet. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. It was not at all like, well, it's we're doing like our thing. You go do your things. Me. Yeah. It's yeah. like, but it was like, yeah, obviously we're, we're open to this. And it's the same with Fava where it's like, yeah, obviously we're open to, to team, to ganging up. And, yeah. and, um, so it's just a matter of, I think realizing that we're all on the same team. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that was a huge tangent. Yes. <laughs> but, a, but an important point. Yeah. So. Uh, upcoming deadlines. Uh, speaking of NSI features first, yes, the application window has now opened. That was sort of my intention as well. To good job. To I, I, de- I derailed us. <laughs> no, no, I'm no, sorry. Uh, but yes, uh, we don't talk about it enough. Obviously, <laughs> but uh, we do love this program, and we are uh, proud to to say that it is well worth your time, well worth your application, and uh, uh, yeah, let's keep the Alberta train rolling. I think we haven't had a break in it in three years now right there's been at least one albertan involved right i mean aj demers was in yeah. the last one but he's sort of in toronto kind of a little bit, but, yeah, but he yeah. counts I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, get get those applications in. Um, yeah. If you got a feature film and you've only made one or zero before, mm-hmm. um, writer producer teams apply now for NSI features first. If you don't know much about this program, it's worth paying attention to. Mm-hmm. It really is because mm-hmm. we didn't really know much until we were pushed to pay attention to it. Yeah. So yeah. this is my push to you if you're listening and you're a producer or a writer. Just Google NSI features first. Um, mm-hmm. Find out what it is and just apply for it. God damn it. We did some blogging. We did some back, blogging. Back yeah, that's then, right. We talk about it a lot. Um, and it is, uh, yeah, it's just a wonderful experience. And I think, you know, we, we talked about it being so intense and and great that it would it, we would we we knew that we would talk about it as a turning point in our careers yes um, and i think we were very right about that so yes we're right about a lot of things man <laughs> uh the calgary international film festival 2016 pitch contest um is coming up you need to apply between july 20th and august 26th to this get into is, this this is just still blows my mind that this is happening fifty thousand dollars to make a short film uh with bravo fact and, and sif so um, that's un- unreal. Like they don't even, even the Bravo Fact regular fund doesn't fund shorts that in that big a way. This is enough money to make that calling card short film oh, yeah. that you yeah. can send to JJ. And you could do, <laughs> yeah, totally. You could do, and you could do like some, some really great effects and you could get maybe a star and you could right. do like, you know. And you could, you could call Olaf Blumaris and get him to right, put some exactly. fucking <laughs> sick visual effects in your film. For sure. Um, yeah. So calgaryfilm.com, uh, check it out. Um, on October 1st, five of these selected projects will pitch to a jury of industry experts and live audience. Um, but you're not going to be in that them. audience if I can. I want October to 1st? It's no, two no, days before we go to camera, man. <laughs> maybe not. Probably not. Um, but maybe, yeah. The Gill Cardinal Legacy Fund uh, is is kind of kicking off now, um, and Fava has kind of got the ball and they're running with it. So a grant valued at twenty five hundred dollars a year will be awarded to an emerging Aboriginal filmmaker to help make a demo for their first film, short film, web, or TV project. Yeah. Uh, and this is coming up. The deadline to submit for this is September fifteenth. Um, but I think they're also looking for um, donors as well. Yeah, it's I kind think of a I'll, new fund. Yeah, Gil passed last year. And yeah, it's something to think about if you if you are uh, of of the mind to, to to donate to something like this at all. All of these funds usually need some support because they're long term, right? They're never intended to end. So, um, so yeah, they they need support, and uh, this is a good one. I love that, I love that this is happening because, of course, you know we lost Gil just about a year ago now, and um, the timing was was good or bad with his with his award from from ampia um so so yeah uh, this is really nice to see and uh yeah so yeah. If, you're, if you're an aboriginal filmmaker apply apply and i don't think it costs support, you anything it, yeah. but it's uh yeah it's worth it okay upcoming events uh luma volume two which is to say their second year um they're having a launch party to celebrate mm-hmm so, oh, this is CSIF and M-Media joining forces like we talked about. Uh, yes, that's right. Amazing. So it's <laughs> happening uh, on Friday this week, August 12th, 7 p.m., Loft 112. Uh, you can see a sneak peek of issue 005 oh. with a reading of one of the articles and performance by sound artist Mark Templeton. Oh, that sounds fun. I'm really sad uh, to miss this. I'm, I'm going to be out of town, but I was at the party last year. Um, and it was super fun. Yeah, yeah. And like a thousand degrees. It was hot. It was yeah. such, it was like the hottest day of the year. Yeah. And it was, anyway, it's a different space <laughs> this year. So hopefully it's a little bit cooler. But. Indeed. 
it will be cool nonetheless. Secret Cinema uh, from the CSIF, as uh, as we've talked about many times. I think this is the last one of the year. Uh, and it's August 16th at 9 p.m. Um, curated by a member uh, with a QA. and a uh, Check it out. It's always cool in the community-wise courtyard. Okay, uh, upcoming workshops and classes. So if you're a writer or uh, if you want to ever apply for a grant or if you are a producer or a newbie uh, to the industry, pay attention because we got some workshops coming up for you. Mm-hmm. The first one is in Calgary. It's called Writing Winning Proposals, How to Get Grants to Support Your Art. Uh, it's 10 bucks for a ticket. Uh, it's happening this Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, in Calgary. Um, there's a link to it in our show notes. And there's an optional one-on-one meeting with a mentor uh, between 2 and 4 p.m. that day. That's so cool. this is cool, yeah. So it's um, they're timing it with the AFA application deadline, which is coming up uh, on September 1st. Right. Um, this is funny because there's I, I'm starting to realize how many people are soured by grants. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton. There's a ton of filmmakers yeah. who, who yeah. Uh, have gotten no enough times to, to break. For sure. To break their spirit, to which is fair. Things. Yeah, I understand the the sentiment for sure. Um, and and they feel that uh, that grants are rigged, which which I, I'm sure is is true in some cases. I mean, unfortunately, you can you can never have the perfect grant, right? No. Like, ultimately, human beings just in general have bias, and right. human beings are the ones on these juries. And, but you can you can tailor your 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 grant application to a jury right and you can, exactly you, and this is a great way to do that and um the alternative to the, the grant system that we have now i think is no grant system right yeah <laughs> like in in america mm-hmm. um so it's great that we have this kind of stuff um and applying for a grant is a unique skill set all of its own. oh for sure completely yeah. separate from but it is a producer skill set it is a producer yeah. skill set uh especially in canada um and in alberta as well so um Check this out. Uh, link to this in our show notes um, and get that skill sharpened up. Uh, it could mean a lot of money for you in the future. And it Set, could make the difference in success in your career. Absolutely. Set etiquette and protocol. This is a, a, a workshop that we talk about all the time. If you're looking to get into the production side of the industry, get on set. Um, you're going to need this course. It's kind of the only thing that you need, yeah, really, yeah. To, to get started in the industry is this for the DGC course. at least, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's actually being put on by IATSE, so maybe it's a requirement for them as well. I, I think don't... it is, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it's a three-hour workshop that's going to cover the uh, basic film bo- vocabulary and your uh, and first day etiquette. Uh, so it's happening on August thirteenth. Um, and it starts at 9 a.m. and it costs 40 bucks, and uh, it's in IATSE's great little education space that they have in their uh, in their building. So check out IATSE I A T S E two one two dot com uh, to find out more about that and sign up for it. Nice. Okay, if you're at Edmonton, there's some some cool stuff that Fab is mm-hmm. putting on. The first one, of course, is Video Kitchen, which is the introductory class uh, to filmmaking, and you must take this to go into their main course, which happens later in the year. Um, so Video Kitchen provides a creative place to explore and express your ideas visually. This is the basic stuff. Screenwriting, budgeting, scheduling, casting, camera technique, shot list, storyboards, lighting, sound and editing. Um, a ton of stuff as you make your own four to six minute short film. Um, start date will be in September. It is a 12-week course. Um, I think it happens one night a week. Uh, so check out fava.ca for more information. Yeah. So there's, I don't know if Fava's done it this way before or if this is just completely new but it's it's just called producing 
um, and they they bill it as learning how to make a project go. Um, so each uh, so so the whole thing is like a is like a module um, so chunk by chunk course. Um, so the first is introduction to producing, second is creative, the third is cast and crew, and so on. Each one uh, is is its own separate thing that you can take uh, as a so you can pay individually for that module. So if maybe this is amazing. I'm so jealous. Yeah, of this. it's a cool way of doing it. So uh, if you're already really good at budgeting and bookkeeping, you can skip that module and and just take those stuff that you feel like you uh, you need to learn more about. So uh, it's a really cool way of doing it. Uh, Ava Carv- Carvonen is the instructor. And it starts on September 13th, and it runs regularly uh, all the way up until December 6th. So um, it's always happening on Tuesday nights from 6 to 9 p.m. And you could take the whole thing for $870 plus GST. And if you're if you're wondering, well, what does a producer really do? We're not going to answer it here. Right. Go to this first module, which is called <laughs> Introduction Producing on September 13th, That's right. uh, to find out the answer to that. Fab.ca for more information there. Okay, what's shooting? What's going to camera? What's what's happening? We always we always have to mention the the wonderful Heartland. Yay! Um, and the wonderful Tin Star. Yeah, and the Yay. wonderful Tin Star. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't know much. I mean, it's interesting because you know you hear stories from from, from set, set on yeah. on new shoots and so. Uh, but yeah, they're shooting in the studio, so that's always nice. Super nice. Uh, hashtag Roxy, of course, is now wrapped. Uh, can't wait to see that movie. That's right. Yeah. Uh, job calls looking for work well we just might have something for you the Banff Center uh, has a video practicum that is open it'll run from September 12th to March 31st the application deadline is August 24th Um, you'll be working closely with media and production staff and artists Uh, this video practicum will assist with a variety of projects from inception and development through to completion and delivery at the Banff Center which is a wicked place um, so you're going to get some practical skills, some hands-on uh, education with video production, including studio and location setup, lighting, assisting the camera crew, operating a camera. Um, so this is a great, uh, great opportunity for someone who's kind of getting started. Absolutely. Yeah. Check that out. Uh, honestly, that's a, everything that Banff does there is, it's almost surreal how incredible an experience that must be. I'd, I'd really like to do one sometime because... That's that place is incredible. That the the uh, access that you have to the to gear and and studio space and equipment there and and just like being inspired by the mountains, it's it's pretty crazy. It's super dope. So Rogers is also looking for a producer director, um, and you're going to need to possess a thorough understanding of the control room. So this is more of a TV side. Um, and uh, yeah, you're gonna have to kind of be a jack of all trades, as is often the, the the qualifications for these these kinds of gigs with three years of experience. Uh, switching, strong understanding of control room, ability to multitask with intense pressure of multiple live shows per night, uh, and ability to work shifts, uh, and so on and so forth. So it's a full time gig, and uh, the shifts are variable. So check out uh, where is this posted. Oh, it's on the MediaJobSearchCanada.com page, and we've got a link in the show notes. Uh, if you're in Edmonton, the Independent Media Arts Alliance has an internship opportunity for a media arts project coordinator. Now, they're calling it an internship, but it is paid, um, and the application to apply for this is August 16th, which is coming up quickly. Uh, it runs from September to March 2017, um, and uh, it's kind of a, a sort of a jack-of-all-trades kind of thing yeah. over the course of the six month internship you will receive intensive on the job orientation and training and then have the opportunity to participate hands-on on several of ima's current projects including the development and early planning phases of 
uh, some pretty big projects, the International Indi Indigenous Media Arts Conference. Um, yeah, so this is kind of a cool opportunity. Um, there's a ton of information about it, uh, so check out the show notes or fava.ca um, for more information about this gig. So, Scott, it's time for recommendations, and uh, we've been through a lot these past two weeks. Yes. What have we learned that we can share with the audience? I have learned um, that a great space to host auditions in Calgary is Evergreen Studios. Indeed. Yes. Yeah, so, Evergreen used to be um, in the Curry Barracks, um, but uh, on account of all the bulldozers going to tear those buildings down, right. they had to run away from there. Um, and they've set up uh, in Northeast Calgary. Um, just kind of around Bridgeline area, um, yeah. Maryland Heights and all that stuff. Uh, and uh, it's it's a great, cool, artistic space with mm. audition rooms um, and a nice little waiting area. Um, and it was pretty affordable. Yeah. Um, so we had two days there uh, and then we went up to Edmonton. But Evergreen Studios, check them out. They're a cool, cool artistic space um, that I had never really done anything professional there. Like we'd done some workshops and stuff, but this was more of a actually... Yeah needing the space for yeah. something so and the other thing about it is if you're if you're a filmmaker in calgary um this is kind of the space where the big casting directors host their auditions as well so it's a good way of making it look feel, and feel a yeah bigger maybe perception uh, is important yeah and it's also it also i think would provide comfort to actors who are like okay yes i've auditioned here before right. and and these were for big shows so this is hopefully legit plus there are things about it that um that i often fail to consider like parking Yes. Um, I was like, free park. I, I was thinking at first, well, why don't we do it at SAIT? Because I, I know SAIT is where I'm comfortable. And Matt was quick to be like, well, then everyone has to fucking pay for parking. Yeah. Or take the train there. Yeah. Um, and it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. So I guess this isn't as transit accessible, but it, it, it does have free uh, and ample parking. Yeah, free parking. And it is fairly central. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, I said northeast, but it is, yeah. it is pretty it's central. Right on Deerfoot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, cool. So with that in mind, what's the Edmonton equivalent? Well, we, we worked, uh, we did auditions in, uh, the studio post, uh, building, which also houses Ampia and Scorgy Productions. Um, studio post has been around for forever, as long as I can remember. Uh, but not in this space. This is a new space for them as of I don't know, five years ago, six yeah. years ago, maybe more, but, um, it's a nice space. Um, and they actually have a big thousand square foot room that we worked out of. Now, I don't know how long this room is going to be available for, but it was, uh, also re very reasonable, uh, to, to get in there and, and work for the day. And, um, I, I imagine that space might get filled by someone, a production company or, or someone at some point, but for now it's a great space to hold auditions. Right. And, uh, my understanding is that mosaics held auditions there as well. So another, another legit space where actors may have been to before, so. And and hint hint wink wink. There, there it's possible that a production company or someone who needs a, a long term space Indeed, could you know, yeah. could rent it. So if you're looking for a space and if you want to steal that away from from the community, fair enough. It, it's a really nice space and it, the right building to be in for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, long episode. But thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, and thanks to Briar, of course, uh, for for digging up this news and putting it uh, into a format that we can read. Indeed. Um, if you're an Alberta filmmaker, this is your podcast. That's why it's called the Alberta Filmmakers podcast i mean yeah why would you be listening to it yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're not well i mean you, you might not be from alberta necessarily right but, uh, um if you have some news that you want to share with the alberta filmmaking community that's the audience um it's a great way to, to spread the word about your project or or a workshop that you may be having or just anything going on yeah let us know um hello at abfilmcast.ca mm -hmm. uh, or how else can they find us yeah on twitter it's uh, abfilmcast facebook uh, as well so uh you can reach out to us there but we like email 
uh, email is the best way to reach out to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but definitely follow us on those things and uh, keep those f- sweet five star reviews. Especially on yes, yeah. on iTunes. Yeah, for sure, because that helps us kind of percolate to the top. So. Totally. And if you want to sponsor us, oh my god, <laughs> let us know. Uh, that might help us get these episodes out a little bit more timely. But uh, <laughs> we will hopefully see you next week. Yeah, and in the meantime, go, go make something. something.